0: You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Jeremiah 5, we finished off last week uh, with uh, the fourth chapter of Jeremiah, and I'd like to look at Jeremiah 5 and begin in verse number 1. This is Jeremiah preaching to the nation of Judah who uh, was uh, backslidden and who got away from God and they had already begun to worship idols, although as a nation, uh, they were seeing some reform and Josiah was the king and he was a good king. But, you know, just because a nation uh, as a whole is doing good, that doesn't mean that the citizens are off the hook. In the same way, let's say, take for instance, our church. I believe that Victory Baptist Church, I believe Victory Baptist Church is doing well. But does that mean that our members have arrived? Absolutely not. Does that mean that the pastor has arrived? Absolutely not. I know I live with him. But can I tell you, just because our nation might be doing well or just because our church is doing well, that doesn't mean that we can put it in cruise control. That doesn't mean that we can uh, take it easy and we can coast. Every one of us, every day, we've got to get along with God. And every day, we've got to search our heart and ask God to try us and show us if there is something that needs to change. And uh, I don't know about you, but that old devil works overtime on me. And then I got this thing called the flesh, and you have it too. Uh, It's the old nature, it's the old man that fights against and tries to buck everything that the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. And this is a process. When you get saved, that's instantaneous. But growing in grace and sanctification is a process we've got to work at every single day to be more like Jesus. Uh, Jeremiah 5, verse 1. It says, run ye to and fro through the streets of Jerusalem and see now and know and seek in the broad places thereof if ye can find a man. If there be any that executeth judgment, that seeketh the truth, and I will pardon it. And though they say the Lord liveth, surely they swear falsely. O Lord, art not thine eyes upon the truth? Thou hast stricken them, but they they have not grieved. Thou hast consumed them, but they have refused to receive correction. They have made their faces harder than a rock. They have refused to return. Therefore I said, Surely these are poor, they are foolish, for they know not the way of the Lord nor the judgment of their God. I will get me unto the great men, and I will speak unto them, for they have known the way of the Lord and the judgment of their God. But these have altogether broken the yoke and burst the bonds. Wherefore, a lion out of the forest shall slay them, and a wolf of the evenings shall spoil them. A leopard shall watch over their cities. Everyone that goeth out thence shall be torn in pieces because their transgressions are many and their backslidings are increased. Lord, I pray speak to our hearts. Help us, Lord, to have our eyes open and our ears open and our hearts receptive to the word of God tonight. Lord, you knew who would be here tonight before I ever had any idea what the message would be. Lord, you knew who would be here tonight before uh, we ever even planned this series. And Lord, I pray that something that is said tonight and the truth that is conveyed tonight, I pray that it would help each and every person here. I pray specifically, Lord, that you'd give us some, some things that maybe we didn't even know we needed. But I pray that you'd open our eyes and reveal to us our need. And may you reveal to us the answers for our soul and for our Christian life and for our homes and for our marriages and for this church. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. It says in verse number one that God was looking for a man. He was looking for a man who would seek the truth. He was looking for a man who uh, would execute judgment. And he tells the people, he says, can you find anyone? He said, go through the streets and and go through and see if you can find uh, somebody that has a desire for the truth and somebody that has a desire for what is right. Kind of reminds me of Ezekiel, where God said in Ezekiel twenty two thirty, he said, and I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it. And sadly, God had to say, but I found none. You say, well, certainly God could have found somebody. I wonder many times, I wonder what God would find. And I wonder what God sees when he searches our church. You say, well, I know God would find a lot of righteous people here. I hope so. But there's a difference between how we see things and how God sees things. You see, man looketh on the outward appearance, but God sees the the heart. He knows what we are. We can fool a lot of people. You Maybe you've got your boss at work fooled. Maybe you've got your boss fooled and he thinks you're doing this or she thinks you're doing this and you're not doing anything close and uh, you've got your, your co-workers fooled. Maybe you've got your husband fooled or your wife fooled or your children fooled. Or you may have everybody fooled. You may have the pastor fooled. You, your life might be... Uh, it's it's just a big facade, and you think nobody even knows. Well, I got news for you. You can't fool God, and I can't fool God. You see, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. I'm glad he sees the good, but I know that God sees the heart, and God was looking for a righteous man. The Bible tells us in Genesis 6 that all the imaginations of all the men on the earth, it was only evil continually. Remember, God said that he would destroy the earth uh, with a flood, but the Bible tells us that Noah, only one man, only one person found grace in the eyes of the Lord. I want to tell you that ought to encourage you that if everybody else is doing wickedly, if everybody else is living against God, if everybody else is sinning and seems like they're having a time of their life, I want to tell you, you and I can still live for God. And we can still do what's right. We can still be holy in, a, in an unholy generation, but God was looking for somebody. Well, I tell you, I, I, love, I love thinking about what God might do with some of our teens. I love thinking about what God might do with some of our children. I love thinking about what God might do with some of our bus riders. I love thinking about what God may do with some of our adults if we would just say, Lord, here am I. I I, want to be clean. I want to be right. I want to be holy. I want to be sold out. And God, I just want to please you and I just want to serve you. And God, would you use me? Guess what? He'll use you. As a matter of fact, he's looking for somebody that he can use. He's looking for a righteous man. It says in verse number 3, it says, And uh, O Lord, are not thine eyes upon the truth? Thou hast stricken them, but they have not grieved. Thou hast consumed them, but they have refused to receive correction. They have made their faces harder than a rock. They have refused to return. The Bible tells us that although God was looking for a righteous people, instead we find in Jeremiah chapter 5 that he found a rebellious people He found a refusing people. Uh, He found a revolting people. He found people that were pushing back against the very God that loved them and was trying to help them. Notice verse number three, they refused to return. Remember, we said at the very beginning that that's the remedy. That's the solution. That's the prescription for, uh, for, for, for coming back to God and for getting right with God. The prescription for a backslidden people is to return. And here God's people have refused it. Boy, isn't it frustrating when you have a, a child or, uh, uh, that, that, that will refuse to take the medicine? Or maybe some of you, you have a spouse, you know, they'll refuse to take the medicine or they'll refuse to follow the doctor's instruction. And you say, I'm trying to help you. This is the medicine that you have to take. This is what's going to make you better. And they refuse. And I think so often as Christians, that's the mode we get into. We know the answer is to get back to God and to return, but because of our pride, because of our selfishness, because of our hardened hearts, uh, we get locked into reverse and we say, I'm not going to go back. To where God wants me to be verse number four these people that refuse it says surely These are poor They are foolish for they know not the way of the Lord nor the judgment of their God You know, these people may not have been poor In finances, they might have had a lot of money And you may have a lot of money and you may have a lot of things But can I tell you if you say no to God you are poor You are spiritually bankrupt, and all the money in the world is not going to buy you happiness, and all the stuff in this world is not going to make you have peace and contentment. Only Jesus can do that. These people were poor, and they were foolish because they did not know the way of the Lord. These people may have been intellectual. Uh, these people may have had degrees. These people may have had all the training. And these people may have had all of the, uh, the smarts and all of the brains. And they may have had uh, all these things figured out. But Fred, it doesn't matter how high your IQ is. If you say no to God, the Bible says in the book of Psalms, the fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. That's a foolish way to live. It's a sad way to live to say no to God, not just in salvation. But it's a sad way to live for a Christian who has been saved, but refuses to live according to the word of God. These people were poor and foolish. Notice verse number five. Jeremiah is preaching to the people and he says, I know what I'm going to do. I will get me unto the great men and I will speak unto them for they have known the way of the Lord and the judgment of their God. I want to say this. I think that's good advice. I think it's good to get around some great men and some great women of God. I'm talking about people that know how to pray. I'm talking about people that know how to get a hold of God and people that know this book and uh, people that have, uh, have been in church and they've weathered the storms and they've stayed faithful and they have joy and they serve God and, 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 and they've learned the secret to walking with God. I think you ought to get around those people You ought to surround yourself with those people. And by the way, everybody you hear on television, everybody you hear on the radio, everybody you read about on the internet, just because they say they're Christian, that doesn't mean they know what they're talking about. And I'd be very, very careful. We live in the day where this uh, prosperity gospel is so prevalent that if you're a good Christian, you're gonna be driving a Rolls Royce. And if you're a good Christian, you're gonna have a mansion down here. That's not what I read in the Bible. Now I read that God's gonna supply our needs and God's gonna take care of us. And I, if you're here and God has blessed you financially, I thank the Lord for that. You're not a bad person for that. But can I tell you, that's not the goal. And that's not why we're living. That stuff's gonna burn up one day. But what's gonna matter is riches that are stored up in heaven and treasures in heaven. But be very careful and make sure that the people that you listen to Make sure the people that influence you, make sure they know the Lord. Make sure that they're the real deal. Uh, you say, well, I, I, I saw them on television, and if they're on television, they must be good. I wouldn't use that logic. There's a lot of stuff on television that's not good. And there's a lot of people that have uh, uh, been on the radio that they don't know what they're talking about. That's why I'm thankful we have the privilege. We have a, a lot of preachers that come through and a lot of spree- uh, uh, pastors that come through. And I hope that you will learn from the great men. I hope you'll get around them and uh, read about them. But notice what it says in this passage. It says the great men that, that have known the way of the Lord and the judgment of God. But then it says in verse number five, but these, talking about the great men, these have altogether broken the yoke And burst the bonds. What that is talking about is that in Judah, even the men who were great, even the men who had uh, uh, some social standing, even the men that had some sway and had some leadership, even these men had broken the yoke that God had placed on them. They had disregarded the Bible, they had disregarded the law, they had disregarded the commandments of God friend, that ought to be a reminder to all of us that none of us are above this book right here. I don't care how long you've been saved, it still is a sin to gossip. Let me try that one more time. I don't care how long you've been saved, it's still a sin to gossip. I don't care how long you've been saved, it is still a sin to lie. I don't care how long you've been saved. It is still a sin when we are proud and we think we're better than somebody else. Can I tell you, wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Friend, every one of us, we've got to follow and obey the word of God. Uh, Don't, the longer you're saved and the more you teach a class or the longer you sing in a choir or the, the longer you serve in a ministry or whatever, the more influence you have don't get too big for your britches. Don't ever think that you're above the rules. Don't ever think that you know better than God. Friend, I want to tell you, we are all sinners and every one of us is capable of a fall. Just ask David, a man after God's own heart, a man after God's own heart who uh, uh, God blessed and God used, but there came a day where he was supposed to be off fighting the battle, but instead he was at home and he was uh, uh, watching and he saw Bathsheba. He lusted after her. He called for her. They committed adultery. Then he covered it up. He had Uriah uh, killed in battle and he lied about it. Can I tell you, that's why we have Psalm 51. And I'm thankful that David got right with God, but friend, you don't want to to, to, to fall, to find out that God's merciful. You want to stay close and stay right with him and not have the destruction that comes from pride and from being lifted up. These great men, I don't know what happened to them, but even they broke the yoke. Even they burst the bonds of, uh, that God had placed around them and upon them for their own protection. Verse number six, the Bible tells us that judgment came because their transgressions were many and their backslidings were increased. Notice the end of verse number six. You know, that's the way that sin works. Now stay with me here, and I want you to think about this. When you sin, when I sin, let's just say, let's just take, for instance, a lie. I think I, I use uh, alcohol a lot, and I, alcohol is still a sin, but you know, you, you drink a little bit, and then you want more, and you want more. But let's use lie. You know what's so sad about lying is lying can start out little. It can start off so small. But then once you lie, then you find yourself, you've got to lie again to cover for that lie. And then you've got to lie again to cover for those two. And sin does not, it it, it does not just cut itself off. Sin grows and sin increases. And the more you sin, the more you have to sin. And the more you sin, the more that leads to other sins. So that lying, you may think that's not a big deal, but then that lying, that affects your job. And that lying affects your spouse, and that lying affects your children, and that lying certainly affects your relationship with the Lord. That lying that that started so small, it grows and it increases and it expands, and that's why sin must be dealt with. It must be rooted out, Because it grows and it becomes more and more, their backslidings were increased. For instance, and I understand if somebody does not come to church, I always tease uh, Miss uh, Tivy. I got a sweet note from her uh, this week, and uh, I always tease Miss Tivy. She'll miss church, and then she'll say, Pastor, I was sick, and I wanted to be there. And it's like she's apologizing. And I say, Well, Miss Tivy, hang on just a second. let me get my my pen and my list. I need to cross you off the backslidden list because I had written you on that backslidden list and I'll tease with her and all that. And I understand sometimes people aren't in church and because they're sick or work or they're out of town or there's there's other reasons, I'm sure. But let's just say if someone does not come to church, just they don't feel like it. They don't want to come to church. You know, what happens is it starts very gradually. But then once you start missing a little bit, it's easy to miss more. And then it's easy to miss more. And then sometimes what happens is you think, well now if I go back, what are people gonna say? And what are people gonna think? And oh, I'm embarrassed. And, I, and, and Fred, I wanna tell you, if, if you come back to church and anybody ever gives you a hard time for coming back to church, would you please let me know? Because that person needs to be taken out behind back and they need to be roughed up a little bit. We want people to come back to church. And when people come back to church, we wanna say, we are so glad to see you. Not, where have you been? That's not the attitude we wanna have. We're thrilled, that's an answer to prayer. When people get right with God and people come back. But what I'm saying is that backsliding, it just starts real small. And you know, usually it doesn't start with missing church. Usually it starts with missing your Bible reading. And you miss one day and, hey, that wasn't too bad of a day. I could miss another day. And then you miss your prayer time. And then it's been a couple days or it's been a week or it's been however long. And friend, I want to tell you, you are an accident waiting to happen spiritually. You're a train wreck waiting to happen Because you cannot make it spiritually. And I cannot make it spiritually without the Lord, without the Word of God, and without prayer. And I pray that if we ever do get backslid, I pray that God would do something to get our attention before it's too late, before we can't come back, or before we do irreparable damage. We see in verse number six that judgment came. Verse seven, we see that our backsliding affects our children. How shall I pardon thee for this? Verse 7, thy children have forsaken me and have sworn by them that are no gods. When I had fed them to the full, then they committed adultery. How sad that God's people had been blessed. They had been fed to the max. They, every need was met and their needs were supplied and everything was good for them and they got real comfortable. When they got real comfortable... They said, we don't need God anymore. And that's when they went to worship false gods. It says in verse number 7 that uh, they assembled themselves by troops in the harlot's houses. Remember we talked about spiritual adultery is the equivalent of idolatry. They were as fed horses in the morning and every one nayed after his neighbor's wife they were they were looking for every opportunity they had not just in 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 adultery and not just in immorality but in idolatry and in seeking after false gods verse number nine shall i not visit for these things saith the lord and shall not my soul be avenged on such a nation as this we see that god would visit and that word visit That's not I'm going to go by and visit and have a piece of pie and a cup of coffee. That word visit literally means to punish. And God said, I will punish and I will judge my people. Verse 10, go ye up upon her walls and destroy, but make not a full end. Take away her battlements for they are not the Lord's. Verse 11, for the house of Israel and the house of Judah have dealt very treacherously against me, saith the Lord. Verse number 11, they had dealt treacherously and deceitfully and intentionally tried to deceive and had tried to fool God. Verse number 12, they have belied. That word belied, it means to falsely represent. It means to present counterfeit, counterfeits to the Lord. Now, I showed you, I guess it was, and you've seen it a few years back, I, I, I found that, uh, that uh, bill. What was it, a $200 bill? with a picture of George W. Bush. Do you remember that? Somebody passed it at a food line here in Roanoke Rapids. This was about 15 years ago. And uh, they bought groceries and they gave a $200 bill with a picture of George W. Bush on the front. And the cashier accepted it and gave them back change and said, have a nice day. Now, you may be able to pass a counterfeit bill at food line, and I don't recommend you do. And I don't recommend you try it. I'm just saying... Somebody may be able to do that. But you're not going to pass a counterfeit bill to God. You're not going to fool the Lord. You're not going to push one by or slide one by on him. To verse number 19, we see the judgments of God. Verse number 19, it shall come to pass. When ye shall say, wherefore doeth the Lord our God all these things unto us, then shalt thou answer them like as ye have forsaken me and serve strange gods in your land so shall ye serve strangers in a land that is not yours. They said, why did God do this to us? Why has God forsaken us and why is God judging us? And God says, I'm forsaking you because you are the ones that forsook me. And may God help us uh, not to forsake him and may God help us not to experience what it's like to backslide and to reject God. Notice verse number 22. God asks the question. He says, fear ye not me, saith the Lord. Will ye not tremble at my presence, which have placed the sand for the bound of the sea by a perpetual decree that it cannot pass it? And though the waves thereof toss themselves, yet can they not prevail. Though they roar, yet can they not pass over it. But this people hath a revolting and a rebellious heart. They are revolted and gone. Notice in verse number 22, God's people. Did no, had no longer had a fear or a reverence or a respect for God. You know, Revelation chapter 1, we, we sang about the, uh, in our, uh, earlier in the service, we sang about, uh, I bowed on my knees and cried holy. And when we see the Lord, that's what we're going to do. We're going to fall on our faces. And uh, because of the holiness and the majesty of God, Revelation 1 tells us about the apostle John. He was exiled on the Isle of Patmos, and in Revelation 1, John saw Jesus. The Bible says that when he saw Jesus, his eyes were like a flame of fire, and his hair like the wool uh, and like the white snow. And when he saw him, John said, I fell at his feet as though I were dead. And I tell you, we have no idea the greatness and the power and the holiness of God Almighty. When you and I, when we get a glimpse of Jesus, it's not gonna make us wanna live however we want to live. It's gonna make us wanna live however He wants us to live. There's gonna be a desire to please Him and when you see Him, when I see Him, there will be fear and there will be respect and there will be a reverence and an awe of God. Notice verse number 25, your iniquities have turned away these things and your sins have withholden good things from you. You know, when we sin or when we backslide, we oftentimes we think about the bad things that happen. Uh, let's say, for instance, if you go out and you, uh, you rob Speedway tonight, and I don't recommend you do that either boy, we're talking about counterfeit bills at Food Lion and Robin Speedway. Don't do it, don't do it. But let's say you go and you you hold up Speedway and you get that money and they 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 catch you and they they throw you in jail, and you're sentenced, and you serve time in prison for a year, what I don't know how long it would be. Don't try it. We don't want to find out. But you know that'd be a bad thing to happen. You get arrested and your name's in the paper, and you go before a judge, and they uh, they 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 send you to prison for. Eighteen months or two years or that that'd be bad, but you know not just being in the jail, not just being in the prison, not just the embarrassment, not just the shame, not just all that, but think about those two years. think about all the good things you'd miss out on. think about the time with your family, think about the Christmases and think about the thanksgiving and think about the birthdays and think about just the things we take for granted. Can I tell you, when we sin, yes, there's bad things that happen, but when we sin, there's a whole lot of good things that we forfeit and we miss out on because of our backsliding. Verse number 31, it says, the prophets prophesy falsely and the priests bear rule by their means and my people love to have it so. You know, I think there's a lot of responsibility that rests on preachers and on pastors and on men of God. I absolutely, I agree. But you know one reason why there are a lot of false prophets in our world today? You know why there's a lot of people that are preaching a different gospel or that have watered it down so much? I'll tell you one reason why. Because people love it. Oh, people love it if a preacher will always pat them on the back and always tell them that they're okay. People love it when a preacher will stand up every Sunday and just say, you are doing a good job and you don't have to change a thing. People love that. And let's be honest, don't you like it when somebody's bragging on you and somebody's patting you on the back? We all do, that's human nature. The problem is, that's not reality. The truth is, we need the word of God, yes, to exhort us, but we also need the word of God to rebuke us at times. We need the word of God to uh, reprove us at times and to correct us and to show us what needs to change. You say, well, how come? Because what God says matters. Because someday we're going to stand before a judgment seat of Christ and we will give an account. And that's why it's important that we take the whole truth, not just the parts we like, but that's why it's so important we take it all. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.